So as many of you know, usually on weeks that I'm preaching, I start off on Monday by reading the gospel that's coming up the following Sunday. I like to kind of sit with it and let it be in my mind as I'm meeting with various people over the course of the week so that, I don't know, it'll inform my heart based on who I'm encountering and what's going on in the world around me. This week, though, I was dealing with competing narratives. We had the gospel itself, and then we had the voices of a number of bishops that I couldn't help but hear it, and it it hit my heart, and it hit my heart in a way that I was really not very comfortable with. It bred anger, frustration, which is not the first time I have felt such emotions from the church that I love very much, but no less, I still needed to reconcile this and spend some time with what was going on and really ask God to help me understand what's going on. For those of you who, frankly, have been living under a rock for the last week, we had a number of different bishops that they're qualifying who is capable of receiving the Eucharist at this point. Over the week, I spent some time thinking about my own formation. Now, I've been ordained for eight years now as a priest, nine years as a deacon, and seven years before that, I was in seminary getting an undergraduate degree in graduate studies. For five years before that, I served as a catechist within the church, and so let's say I've been doing this for a little while. I recall back to one of the earliest conversations I remember having in college seminary. I entered college seminary as a 25-year-old man. And so suddenly from being a bank manager to living with 18-year-olds, and it was a bit of a culture shock. It was a major culture shock. Um, But I remember there were some incredible conversations that used to take place because that's the amazing thing about seminary. It brings men in from all around the United States to come and focus on one common goal. You'd think that common goal is the gospel. It's not always the case. Because everyone, as they're entering, they're in different places in their relationship with God. Sometimes they're not quite sure if they're focused on God itself or the church itself. And for many people, that is a very hard thing to understand where one ends and the other begins. I remember the conversations that would take place heated during finals week on a regular basis. We would drop our books for a moment and start talking about that which is bringing us forward. You know, the dreams we have when we will get ordained, God willing. Those are nightmares from what I heard from certain people's mouths. Um, But we would talk about how we see the church and why we want to serve the church. There are some amongst us who really love the people of God. That they just are on fire for God's children. They love the gospel. They want to know more. There's a curiosity and there's a a wonder that's possessed in that. And it's beautiful. Those men tend to not actually make it through seminary as often. It's sad. But to be in such great love means there's torrents within that. It's It's a very tumultuous path that one's walking in that. We'd also encounter some of my my brothers who, while they were going through, they were really far more focused on the authority of church. 
you'd hear statements like, when I'm ordained, this is how it's gonna be. Oh, really, tell me more. <laughs> now, having worked for the church for a number of years and actually quitting working for the church before I entered seminary, with great pride, I said, I will never work for the church again. You're funny, huh? Yeah. But I was troubled with those egos, that control that a lot of people like to put within church. Because it's a gift to be called to serve God, but at the same time, that comes with a lot of burden. We are called to fulfill and, and hold a role of hospitality that's very different than any other role that I've ever experienced in my own life. And I come from a background of hospitality and management, right? So this idea of welcoming people, it's different in church. It's more complicated than that. It actually requires, oh, I don't know, Jesus and that great love of God to really welcome people. Because without that, what are we? It's just an institution of authority. And so we need a greater love. As I would hear these statements from young men who are 19, 20 years old about how they're going to fix the church. I couldn't help but sit and kind of laugh to myself when I would hear those words. Anybody who's worked for the church for more than five minutes knows we're not in charge. There is a God and it is not us. This is a hard thing to wrap our mind around and some of my brothers have an even harder time with this. This table that we come to each week is where we come to be fed, but so too is it where we come to be healed. Each and every one of us come as weary, wounded pilgrims, seeking to be fed so that we can be made complete, as the Father is complete. It's a hope and a yearning that some of us really recognize over the course of the last year how much you missed it. I don't know, proof of life, you can just kind of bob your head, yes, but like, did you all miss Mass over the course of the last year? I know I did. Early on, I remember someone asked me, they said, Father, why aren't you going to Mass every week? I said, I actually want to be in solidarity with y'all. It's easy, I could celebrate Mass on my coffee table. Still valid, not licit, but <laughs> valid. It's still Jesus. But I didn't do that, I didn't want to do that in the very beginning, because I wanted to, in many ways, be in solidarity with you all. Yes, I could. That doesn't mean necessarily that I should. And it reminded me very much of that teaching that I learned that got so very well ingrained, which made it so easy for me to enter into this place, which is, it's within the heart of the recipient, whether they are to receive the Eucharist or not. It's no one else's call. It's way above our pay grade. Even if you got a fancy hat, it's still way above your pay grade. The role that we get to have serving at Christ's table is a gift. It's an invitation that each and every one of us have had, and we have various roles that we hold within that, but none of them are intended to say, the dinner is off, you are uninvited. It's not what we're called to be a part of. It's not what we are called to be as a Christian people, and it is, in fact, contrary to the gospel itself, which is about faith, not control. 
Each and every one of us are called to grow in our love, in our woundedness, in our struggle. And where we are made whole is by Christ himself. No matter who is celebrating Mass, we don't come here for them. Granted, they might make the meal seem a little smoother. But what we are here for is what is served at that altar. And it is not within any one of our hearts to say who can and cannot be there. In fact, it's a very privileged position to make that statement. Any given day that I'm celebrating daily Mass here, and this is what I explain to people on a regular basis. We have guests who come in who are living on the streets currently. I'm so happy when they come to Mass. I know none of their backgrounds until I have the opportunity to talk to them. I never know what is within their heart until I speak to them following Mass. But when they come forward to me and I say, the body of Christ, and their hands are outstretched and they say, Amen. My role is to give them Christ. My role is to be a bestower of grace. My role is to be cooperative with what God is calling me to do, which is participate in this divine mystery. Now, I'm more than welcome to go rogue and make my own calls, but that's not what I am called to do. There may be some amongst you who you might feel a desire to come and debate me after Mass. Save your energy. I'm not going to talk to you about it. I want you to talk to your God about it. I want you to take it to prayer. I want you to spend some time with Christ and recognize that we are called to take and to eat. I was talking with someone the other day and I, they said, do you not recognize how powerful the Eucharist is? I said, I do. They said, but don't you recognize when you sit before the Eucharist in adoration that it is your God? I said, of course I do. I said, do you know the origins of adoration? It came from a time when the church said you're not worthy to eat, but you're worthy to see. This was in the Middle Ages before confession was something that we could go to on a regular basis. In fact, there was a limit on how many times one could go to confession. And so you saved that redemption for when you were ready to actually live that life as a saint. As Augustine said, make me a saint, but not today. But what it really comes down to is that we all have this invitation to be fed here and now. We have an invitation that comes from God that says to be fed. And there is not a single one amongst us, whether they're in this building or in another one, who has the right to say otherwise. My final note on this is that it's such a privilege to be here and celebrate this meal with each and every one of you. The gift that is the Eucharist is a prefigurement of heaven. So I tell you, if you're bored at Mass, heaven's going to really suck. But it's that reality that this is what we are working towards. We are working towards being gathered as one. We are working towards being fed by Christ. And we recognize that in that reception of grace that we are healed. And that there is not a single one of us who is not in need of that healing. And so here and now, in this place, as we come forward to this table, 
May we recognize the gift that it is that we are to receive. And may we go forth from these doors being that vibrant light of Christ. Seeking and recognizing to share that message that Christ loves each and every one of us, no matter what. And the only way that we will get to that place of perfection is if we continue to chew upon our Lord, to receive that gift that is God. And within that, may we have profound thanks. May we live out Eucharist in that trueness of thanksgiving. And may that gratitude that we possess within our hearts lead us to a life that is exemplary, that is welcoming, that is open, that is hopeful, that is healing. And in doing so, we bring about the kingdom of God here and now. Peace be with all of you on this Sunday. May we seek this week to be unifiers, not dividers. May we seek to be healing love. And may we always be fed by the grace of Christ so that we may serve those who are most in need. Amen.